As we honor mothers today, I want to focus on relationships, human relationships. It's impossible to overestimate the influence of a mother's touch. As a pastor, I learned a long time ago that an ounce of mom is worth more than a pound of clergy. As a kingdom leader, I know that the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. No, we love relationships. We need relationships. And there's none more intimate than that. But as intimate as it is and as appropriate as it is in the nuclear family, we all know families can go terribly wrong. But God is a redeemer. God is community. All the desire in you and in me for relationship, for community, uh, to have friends that, that trust us and that we can trust, to be able to banter back and forth, to be able to express our views even when our views might be uh, out to lunch, to have friends that will listen, friends we can confide in, that desire that lives in you and lives in me, it started with God. You see, this is the fact that there is one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now what that means is, in God there is relationship. In God there is communication. In God there is community. There is showing respect. There is synergy. There's working together. There's talking together. There's cooperating together. All that takes place in God. And the fact that you and I were created in the image of God means that we have a stamp on us that longs for that kind of community. And when we are in proper relationship with God, that kind of community is our experience. And it is a taste of heaven. Now, for too long, we viewed the Trinity as this cumbersome theological necessity rather than being a practical benefit that makes sense out of who we are. And what makes sense out of the fact that you desire community and I desire community is the fact that we were created in the image of God and the one true God is community. And he has always been and he is always and he always will be and he invites us in to that kind of community. Now today we come to the end of our study in the book of Colossians. Colossians elevates the supremacy of Christ unlike any other book. And it shows how the supremacy of Christ is the antidote for every virus. Colossians chapter 2 shows that the supremacy of Christ is the antidote for our mental viruses. Colossians chapter 3, the supremacy of Christ is the antidote for our behavioral viruses. And Colossians chapter 4 shows that the supremacy of Christ is the antidote for our, our relational viruses. And it begins, we're going to begin with Colossians 3 verse 18. And what we find here are the six primary roles, relational roles that people have. Verse 18 deals with wives. 19, husbands. Verse 20, children. Verse 21, fathers and mothers. Verse 22, employees. 
and Colossians 4 verse 1, employers. Those six relationships, husband, wife, children, parent, employees, employers, those are the six primary spheres of relationship. And we learned last week that when we're born again, we have an old nature and we have a new nature. What that means is every wife has an old nature and a new nature. You've got an old self and a new self. Every husband has an old self and a new self. Every son, every daughter has an old self and a new self. Every father and mother has an old self and a new self. Every employee has an old self and a new self. Every employer is, has an old self and a new self. And depending on who we live out of, will show what kind of community we will enjoy. The old self is self-destructive toward community. The old self in any wife can ruin a family. The old self in any husband can ruin a family. The old self in any son or daughter, mother, father, employer, employee can ruin those relationships. Now, these verses from Colossians 3.18 to Colossians 4 verse 1 give specific guidelines on how to live out of your new self. And I'd encourage you to give careful attention to these verses. So the beginning of this, this portion of Colossians that deals with warding off viruses that can attack our relationships begins with the six primary roles of relationship, wife, husband, son and daughter, parent, employee, employer. Basically, it's the home and the workplace. Those are the two primary places we interact with each other, the home and the workplace. Now, what begins with these six primary roles ends with a list of 10 of Paul's friends. This is really a remarkable list. Colossians 4, verse 7, Tychicus, verse 9, Onesimus, verse 10, Aristarchus and Mark, verse 11, Justice, verse 12, Epaphras, oh, I love Epaphras, verse 14, Luke and Demas, verse 15, Nympha, and verse 17, Archippus. What's Paul doing here? He's showing the impact of the kingdom of God on his new self that has now given him family. He talks about the person who brought the news from Colossae. He talks about the pastor in Colossae. He talks about his colleagues. He talks about those that are chained to him as a prisoner in Rome. He talks about the, these valuable friendships that he's had because he's living out of his new self and he's enjoying the benefit of these friendships. So again, these last verses that begin Colossians 3.18 all the way through chapter 4, verse 18, it begins with the six primary roles of relationship. It ends with 10 relationships that Paul has. But in the middle, in the middle, are remarkable verses. It's contained here in Colossians 4, 2 through verse 6 that give three specific ways to protect 
relationships, to foster healthy relationships, to foster relationship that lives out of our new identity as a new self in Christ. And it talks about what to pray, what to do, and what to say. And what to pray, what to do, what to say. This is the key to healthy relationships. And it begins with prayer. Look at what it says in Colossians 2, verse 4. Continue steadfast in prayer, being watchful and thankful. Or as it says uh, here, continue steadfast in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Continue steadfast in prayer. What this is saying is, you want to cultivate relationships out of your new self the best thing you can do for anyone is pray for them. When Sherry and I decided to pray together as, as husband and wife every day, no matter what, it absolutely was the most strategic decision we've ever made. It's the most life-giving habit that we have. Every day we pray together. Sometimes it's short, sometimes it's longer, but it has absolutely been the most life-giving thing we can do for each other. And what we're doing is praying out of our new self for their new self. And it's called us to go higher continuously. Kingdom friendships are built as prayer friendships. There are no greater friendships you will ever have than prayer friendships. And the reason is because in prayer, in the presence of God, you don't need to fake it. You don't try to be something you're not. You can't fake it with God. You can be yourself, no masks, warts and all, bad hair day, bad breath, whatever it is, it doesn't matter because if God can handle it, others can handle it also. And you're, you learn to be yourself out of your new self in your prayer life. I have a friend who sometimes doesn't text me back quickly. I like quick. Uh, when I communicate, I like quick. I like responses. I can get a little uh, impatient and text them back and send a question mark. Come on, I need to hear from you. Well, he told me why he does it that way. He said the Lord told him, don't ever text without praying first. I thought, what a brilliant idea. How often have we texted back prematurely, maybe with an attitude or, or uh, disrespectfully or thoughtlessly or without the leading of the Lord, when if we had prayed first, God might have changed it? No, I want to take this up a notch. Continue steadfast in prayer, being watchful and thankful. My brothers and sisters, I want to talk with us about our, our national conversation. This year is another election year. This virus has put stress on everybody. But I have seen people I respect post things on Facebook or send Twitter messages that are absolutely disgraceful disgraceful mocking our president or mocking our governing leaders. Brothers and sisters, there's no room for that. 
It doesn't matter. It says in 1 Timothy 2, verse 1 and 2, I appeal to you, all of you, to make prayers and supplications with thanksgiving for all who are in authority. Now that was written by the Apostle Paul when Nero was president. Or president, he was emperor. What that means is he, he was being prayed for by Paul and by all that he did his exhortation when he was burning Christians at the stake. He would have cocktail parties and torch Christians, wrap them in gauze, pour oil on them, and so that they would be torches at his cocktail parties. And Paul's saying, pray with, for them. Pray for Nero. Now, I mean, I don't, it doesn't matter what you think of our governor or our president. You have no right to mock them. You have no right. It's disgraceful. Pray. If you think they're doing it wrong, pray. If you have a prophetic word of God to speak out against one of our leaders, then you make sure you get before God and do it with brokenness and you do it with humility and you call them out if God's given you a prophetic word to confront them on. But you don't lob a Molotov cocktail on Twitter or Facebook in judgment against one of our leaders. God help us. Now I call you to repent on this church. And let me just say, this is not just those for those who oppose the president. This is also for those who may defend the president or our governor. Some of us have the worst attitudes of the group. There is no uh, right for us to speak cruelly or to send uh, messages that are harsh and demeaning and disrespectful. At least pray first. God calls us to pray first. And this is the word of the Lord from Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, when it comes to relationship. Now, the second part of this exhortation to pray, what do we pray for? Paul asks for prayer here, and he says, pray also for us that God may open to us the door for the word. Now, what, 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 let me just apply this to the national debate. When we mock our governor or our president, we not only disqualify ourselves as being having any leverage or traction in prayer, but we've lost what's really important. The issue isn't what's done by our governor or president. The issue is whether people are being one to Christ and whether revival's coming to the church and whether we, the church, are right before God and whether he's even hearing or answering our prayers. It's praying our mission, not our hobby horse or our malcontents. If you've been, been even praying and obsessed in your prayer life over what you're discontent over, I call you to repent. God wants you to pray our mission. Let's give ourselves back to our mission. And we cannot get embroiled in the public debate of right or wrong and trying to solve all the ills of our society politically. It's not going to happen. Jesus said, if my kingdom was of this world, I could call 10,000 angels. But he said, my kingdom is not of this world. And church, our kingdom isn't either. The kingdom of Christ on earth is actually active throughout the government, throughout every sphere, 
And we pray the kingdom on all sides of the aisle. I pray for Schumer and Pelosi as well as our president and his cabinet. I pray for the Republicans and the Democrats. I invite you to pray with me, to bless and to pray the revelation of God in Christ over our nation. No, in all of our relationships, from your relationship with your spouse or your best friend, your brother or your sister, the best thing you can do is to pray, 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 blessing. Now the second is what do we do? And this is fascinating. Listen to the instruction on what to do. Verse 5, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of your time. Let me deal with the last part first. The best use of our time, I guarantee you, is not criticizing our leaders. I promise you that. That is a waste of time. I'm just telling you. Don't be obsessed over that. The best use of our time, what's it say? It says to walk in wisdom toward outsiders. Towards those, when we fold our arms and look down at someone as them and us, we're in trouble. It says walk in wisdom toward those we see as outsiders. You see, the insiders, it's as if God isn't concerned about the insiders. Who's ever on your insider, on your views of this or that, those aren't the issue. Those are not going to destroy relationships. It's those that we see as the outsiders, those that we're so critical, those are the ones that God wants us to walk in wisdom toward. And I find that a very inspecting exhortation. It calls me higher. It calls me into righteousness. So we've seen what to pray. We've seen what to do. And now what to say. And we come to the last verse, verse 6. Let your speech... Always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Okay. How to answer each person. We love to be asked our opinion, and even when we're not, we love to give it. But God wants us to know how to answer each person. And so he sets a guard over our mouth. You know, it's funny. Now we're wearing masks. I never thought I would wear a mask, I, I've, whether it's a bandana or the N95. But I'm trying to get in the habit when I go out shopping or whatever to put the mask on. But the Bible says, Lord, set a guard over my mouth. And every time I, you, every, I encourage you, every time you see a mask or wear a mask, Pray that prayer. Lord, set a guard over my mouth. It doesn't say set a guard over his mouth, set a guard over her mouth. Set a guard over my mouth. And what it's saying here is let your speech always be gracious. Think of that. Always be gracious. What this means is, oh, you know, I'm gracious 95% of the time. Let me just send a zinger. Uh, let me just say something uh, that, that isn't gracious. And then I'll get over it and then, then I'll get back. No. Let your speech 
Always be gracious. Now, I guarantee you, your old self has a big mouth. Your old self doesn't like being gracious. But what have we done to the old self? Last week, we put that old self to death. We put off the speech of the old self. So we don't have to gratify the desires of the old self. But your new self is in Christ. And Christ is always gracious. So when you speak out of your new self, you can also always be gracious. And then it says seasoned with salt. This is a fascinating piece that our speech should always be seasoned with salt. Um, During this virus, a number of things have changed. One of them is I'm expanding my culinary repertoire, and Sherry loves it. I've gone from uh, making my Hartley hoagies uh, to making a pretty good steak to making a pretty good salmon, but I've even now made homemade fries, which um, I've been told are some of the best they've ever had. And I, I've now really mastered guacamole. But, uh, and I'll be glad to share my recipe. I won't do it publicly. But um, the key to guacamole, really, I, I like to add a little Tabasco. That's a little secret. It adds that hidden, mm, what is that? But the key to guacamole is to get the salt balance correct. If there isn't enough, it's bland. If there's too much, it's, it's uh, repulsive. And you need to get the right amount. And it's, it's a little easier said than done, especially when avocados are never the same size. And how much do I add? Anyway, it's possible to have too little salt in our conversation. And it's possible to have too much salt. Uh, there's times where I've said things and I look over at Sherry and I said, too much salt? She goes, yeah. In other words, Fred, that was a little sharp, a little harsh. Uh, a little too much salt on that one. No, it says seasoned with salt. In other words, don't overdo it. We don't need to burn somebody's skin. And we, we want it to be always gracious, always edifying, always uplifting. These are the keys to relationships, to fight off the viruses that would attack the most central relationships we have and could attack even our friendships. No, I exhort you, church family. I exhort you today. I admonish you to protect relationships, to protect them first. Let's up how much we pray for each other. Let's pray more and say a little less. Let's protect our relationships by what we do especially what we do towards outsiders, those that we think are not in our inner group. Let's be careful. And let's always be gracious in what we say, what we pray, what we do, what we say. (laughs) That's quite a combination. And you see, that shows the supremacy of Christ. When God protects our relationships, when God fosters in us lifelong relationships. What that shows is the supremacy of Christ. 
It shows that He has taken supremacy over our thinking. He's taken supremacy over our behavior. When it shows in the way it's being demonstrated in our relationships. And may God redeem your family relationships. May God redeem your workplace relationships. May God give you the blessing of lifelong friends. And I must just end with this, church family. It's time every one of us gets into a life group. Why? Because when we're in heaven, we're going to be in community. Well, that's then, this is now. Yes, but you are a new person and the person you were created in whose image you were created is community. And your new self loves community. Whether your old self dislikes community, I promise you your new self loves community and I call you to be part of community. And here at Lilburn, if these past two months has taught us anything, it's taught us that there may be a day when we're not able to worship as 500 or 1,000 people on Sunday, but that we will always be able to gather in small groups. We will always be able to gather, even whether it's over technology or in person. But you may be able to shut down the mass gatherings, but you, you can't shut down the gatherings of one or two or three. And church family, I admonish you, please take a step. To, to go deeper in your friendships, to be more fierce in protecting the friendships and relationships that God's given you, and to be intentional in stepping in and becoming part of a life group. We're going to be starting, by the grace of God, 10 new life, life groups as we enter into this summer, and I would encourage you, if you're not in one, pick one, and we're going to help you with that. Let's pray together. Father God, bless mothers today. Bless wives and bless husbands. Bless sons and daughters. Bless, bless fathers and mothers. Bless employees and bless employers. Bless friends. Father, we pray that the community of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit would become our daily experience. That just as our new self, every one of our new self is in Christ and loves community, lead us today, lead us in this season to be part of community. And Lord, in this year of presidential election, keep us from hating each other. Keep us from thinking less of the fact that we are born again and more of the fact of what political party we may be part of. Father, we pray your kingdom come on our president. We pray your kingdom come on this presidential election. We pray that you would place in office those that will protect peace in our country and protection for us as believers and that would bring righteousness in, in our nation. But Father, now I want to move from praying peace over every heart. I pray peace in every home. I pray dignity and respect. I pray the loving of one another, the forgiving of one another, the praying for one another, the doing deeds of kindness for one another, and for saying words of blessing to one another. Father, may that arise, and may the enemy be scattered. And my friend, if you have never received Christ, would you pray with me right now? You may have had a praying mother 
She may be alive or maybe she's already gone and with, with the Lord. If you ever want to see her again, would you pray with me right now? Father, I repent. I repent of my rebellion, my selfishness, and I today confess my sin and I receive forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Make me a new person in Christ. I receive eternal life and I receive a new person in me. Make me a new person. I receive it and I believe it and I thank you for it now in Jesus' name. And my friend, if you just prayed that prayer, I hope I hear from you. Please text me, call me, call the church, email me and let's, let's touch base because you've begun the most wonderful adventure ever. Uh, God bless you. Thank you for sharing these moments.